Welcome to Rams Up, an L.A. Rams podcast, with a sprinkling of coverage on other SoCal sports teams, college and pro. You can reach us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com or visit our website at ramsup.com. Let's get to it. Hello, everyone. We've turned the page. We're into April. After today, we only have three more episodes before the NFL draft. So what we will be doing in each of these episodes is sharing a mock draft. We have our first one at the end of this episode. So please check that out. And what else do we have this episode? We have a positional analysis on the tight ends as well as an analysis of the quarterback situation with the Rams. You probably have a good idea how that's going to go. We also have our weekly pet peeve and our four questions. Before we get into those, let's get through some news items I wanted to share with everyone. Breaking news out of New York, the Jets are trading Sam Darnold to the Carolina Panthers for the Panthers' sixth-round pick in this year's draft and a second- and fourth-round pick next year. So those first three picks in the draft are going to go something like this. Jacksonville takes Trevor Lawrence. New York Jets take Zach Wilson. And then the Niners, do they take Mac Jones or Justin Fields? Shout-out to the UCLA men's basketball team. What a game that was against Gonzaga. One of the most entertaining basketball games I have ever seen from start to finish. And while it's a shame they lost at the end there, especially when they had a couple of opportunities to win it, it's hard to be too disappointed given where they came from and the players they lost over the course of the season. Good job, Bruins. And hopefully this will help Mick Cronin with his recruiting and UCLA may be on their way back. To a national powerhouse, we can only hope. I wanted to mention Austin Blythe's contract details came to light this week. $995,000 a year with bonus possibilities of up to $760,000. I thought these numbers are kind of low. And, and what it tells me is the Rams really didn't make a strong run at him. They, they must have some alternative plans in place for that center spot. And whether it's going to be Tremaine Ankrum, Brian Allen, sliding Austin Corbett over, or a draft pick, we'll find out soon enough. But but those contract numbers really surprised me. Todd Gurley was back in the news with his April 1st joke, uh, making fun of the fact that he's still available. Kind of felt bad for him. Uh, He's going to go down in history as one of the greatest Rams backs ever, albeit for a very short period of time. I hope things work out for him. I'm not so sure they will. His career may be over. Maybe he has another year left. Hope it works out for him. For those of you who didn't know, the Super Bowl at SoFi Stadium has slid to February 13th, 2022. Rams versus to be determined, of course. And the reason for that is while they've added a 17th game and reduced the preseason schedule to three games, There is still an added week in the schedule, though, because they replaced that fourth preseason game with a bye. So in other words, each team will get three preseason games, a week off, and then opening day. 
And then, of course, the 17th game still tacked on at the end. Still a lot of uncertainty about what the Niners are going to do at quarterback. They're supposedly going to start Jimmy G this year. But at the same time, there's rumors circulating that, hey, we'll take a first-round draft pick for him. That's not going to happen. We've heard that they may draft Mac Jones. And a lot of people are saying, well, why did you trade up to the third spot if you wanted Mac Jones? You probably could have got him at 8, 9, or 10. That could be incorrect. Who knows what these NFL evaluators are really thinking about some of these quarterbacks. Others think he's going to take Justin Fields. I thought Trey Lance. Starting to fudge on that. Maybe that's not the case. We'll have to see. Major League Baseball All-Star Game moved out of Atlanta. Interesting. Be interesting to see if more dominoes fall where politics meets sports. And I also wanted to give a shout-out to Matthew Stafford. One last item here. Shout-out to Matthew. As a lifelong Californian, there are so many times where I've met people, especially in the last two or three years, they find out from California, and they cannot help themselves immediately tell me all the reasons why California sucks. They have to realize they're being rude. They just can't help themselves. I don't fly in to Georgia or Texas or Florida and immediately start telling folks, hey, you know what? Your state sucks. It just doesn't happen. I may think that, but I don't say it. But Stafford's quote was, you know, if you don't have the energy to move your wife and four kids and a dog and everybody out to California, you're in a lot of trouble. And I was glad he said that, and I'm hoping millions of people saw it. So good job, Matthew. As I said, we'll be doing our mock draft later, but I wanted to provide up front here my list of players the Rams have met with. It's a growing list, but as of right now, this is the list I have. They have met with two offensive linemen, Quinn Meneers, the center, and Dan Moore, the offensive lineman out of Texas A&M. The scoop on Moore is that he's a excellent zone-blocking tackle, so it makes sense the Rams might be interested in him. The Rams have met with five cornerbacks that I'm aware of, Asante Samuel, J.C. Horn, Tay Gowan, Darren Hall, and Thomas Graham. I think Samuel and Horn would have to be grabbed early, the others late. Something to keep in mind here, when the Rams virtually meet with a player, it doesn't necessarily mean they're on their draft radar. In most cases, it does. But they also are just aligning guys to sign on as undrafted free agents as well. So keep that in mind. A couple of these guys I'm going to mention here, I don't think are going to get drafted. So on with the list, defensive lineman, Chauncey Golston, more of an edge defensive end guy, and Darius Stills out of West Virginia. He's an interior guy, similar in size to Aaron Donald. He would probably be a rotational guy on the inside there. They've also met with a linebacker, bear with me here, inside linebacker out of Oklahoma State, Amen Ogbonk Bemiga. And I'm not going to say that again. He's another guy that might not get drafted. If he did get drafted, it'd be very late. They've met with six wide receivers. Dwayne Eskridge, Tutu Atwell, Amir Smith-Marset, Des Fitzpatrick, Anthony Schwartz, and the weapon wide receiver, Demetric Felton out of UCLA. Felton played running back for the Bruins, but... He, in all likelihood, will be a wide receiver, maybe a third down back. Let's just call him a weapon. It'd be really exciting if the Rams had him on board. 
And lastly, they met with running back Javion Hawkins out of Louisville. So that's three guys out of Louisville. The two wide receivers, Fitzpatrick and Atwell, and the running back Hawkins. So if this is any indication of what the Rams may be thinking, very likely they're going to draft a cornerback and a wide receiver. Yes, a wide receiver, despite the Deshaun Jackson signing, they definitely want to bring a guy in to develop most likely a vertical threat type receiver. Let's get into our other segments and remember, look for our first mock draft at the end. Let's get into our four questions. Question number one, how many draft selections will the Rams actually make? So right now they have six picks. They have picks in the second, third, fourth, sixth, and seventh, as well as an extra pick in the third round. They have no pick in the fifth. And the one thing that jumps out at me in this scenario as it stands right now is there is a gap of 68 picks between the Rams' fourth and sixth round picks. If we can learn anything from recent history, it's that watching 68 players fall off the board is not something Les Snead is going to settle for. He's going to try to pick up a fifth-round pick. If we look at what the Rams did last year, they traded their fourth-round pick to the Texans for a later fourth-round pick and two seventh-round picks. So a third-round pick is going to garner even more value. Houston this year has two fifth-round picks and three sixth-round picks. Also worth noting, the Atlanta Falcons, who the Rams have a relationship with and have done some past deals with, they have three fifth-round picks. Detroit would be an obvious trading partner. The problem is they do not have any sixth- or seventh-round picks. Bottom line is Rams are going to do some wheeling and dealing. They're going to end up with eight picks. One of those additional picks will be in the fifth round, and one will be in the seventh. How this comes down, too complicated to try to figure that out. It could be one trade. It could be two trades. It could be three or four trades. They're going to move up and down and all over the place and end up with those eight picks. It's possible they could come away with only seven with just an additional fifth round pick. But I think by moving that second, third round pick, they're going to be able to pick up a fifth-round pick, and an additional seventh-round pick. Final answer, eight picks. Question number two, how many primetime games will the Rams have? I look back at the 2019 season following the Super Bowl season, and they had five, and I think that's what they're going to have this year. They are emerging as one of the consistently good teams in the NFL. Their stadium is the flagship stadium for the NFL right now maybe one of the greatest stadiums on the planet, and it hasn't seen a single fan yet. They're going to try to fill that stadium on Mondays and Sunday nights with some really good matchups, and they're going to have that Thursday night game. They'll have a couple away primetime games, so I'm going with five. Pretty confident of that. Question number three, how many yards will Akers and Henderson rush for respectively? This question came to mind because... With the addition of the 17th game, there's been some rumblings that a lot of records are going to fall. And that's probably true. Eventually, a lot of them will fall. The one many people were talking about was Dickerson's uh, single-season rushing record. And someone even suggested that Cam Akers may have a shot at that. 
And I find that pretty doubtful. I don't think their offense and their running back room is conducive to Akers going off for 2,000 yards. I just don't see it happening. I think it's going to be more like what you saw with the 2017 Saints. If you go back and look at at that team, Mark Ingram rushed for 1,124 yards, and Alvin Kamara rushed for 728. I think Akers is a better back than Ingram. I think Henderson is not quite up to the level of Kamara, but he's very similar. So what I think will happen is the production will be very similar. I'm going to say Akers, 1,150 yards, and Henderson, 650. Henderson's still going to get his shot. Neither of these guys is going to get through the season without missing a game or two. That's going to limit Akers' final number and also provide Henderson some opportunities to pile up some yardage. So those are the numbers I'll go with. Question number four. This is just a fun one I threw in for Dodger and Ram fans. Who gets more wins this season, Stafford or Kershaw? Yeah, of course it's going to be Kershaw, right? But I don't think it's going to be by as much as you might suspect. I love Clayton Kershaw. I, I really appreciate what he's done for the city of Los Angeles and the Dodgers. Hall of Famer. Great guy, great human being. And by the way, him and Stafford go way back to middle school where they were teammates on several teams. But uh, Kershaw is not the pitcher he used to be. I I still think he's going to get his wins. and I'd I'd love to see him shine in the playoffs and the World Series again. But I still think he's going to be limited to 15 wins tops, maybe even less. And Stafford, I think, is going to get 10 regular season wins and a few playoff wins, hopefully. So it's going to end up being pretty close, but yeah, I'm going to go with Kershaw, the baseball pitcher, over the quarterback. That's going to do it for our four questions. Check back next week. We'll have another four fun ones. Let's get into our positional analysis for this week. We're actually going to get into two, two for one, quite the deal for you. First, we'll talk about quarterbacks, and second, we'll talk about tight ends. I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on either. At quarterback, we're obviously set with Stafford as the starter, and John Wolford, I think, is an ideal backup. His teammates love him. McVay loves him. That's a good sign. He makes plays with his feet. I remember plenty of times where I thought my team, the Rams, had a a game in hand. And you start to rejoice when the starting quarterback for the opposition leaves the game for some reason. And the backup is some guy that that leaves the pocket sooner than he should, but makes plays with his legs. You prepare all week to cover receivers and get to the quarterback. And then the backup comes in, and that's not quite enough anymore because the quarterback is making plays with his legs, and that's what Wolford brings as a backup. Blake Bortles is still out there as a free agent. Uh, Also on the roster, Bryce Perkins, he'll be a second-year guy, and Devlin Hodges. They're both similar. Also guys that can make plays with their legs. The way I see it, they will be battling for that third spot or possibly just a practice squad spot. I don't really see the Rams drafting a quarterback this year. I think they will definitely bring in an undrafted free agent. 
Jamie Newman, Kellen Mond, and Davis Mills, three guys that will be available in the later rounds, most likely. I don't think the Rams will draft any of them, though. The one guy that could be there as an undrafted free agent is Ian Book of Notre Dame. I'd like to see him come in. He's kind of a Sandlot-style type of guy, which, again, as I said before, is ideal for a backup quarterback. On the tight end front, Tyler Higby coming back. He's solid, great blocker, good receiver. Feel very comfortable with him being the number one guy. Johnny Munt was brought back 6'4", 233, but his primary forte is blocking. Not a lot of catches. Still looking for his first career TD. A stat I would love to know is of Munt's snaps, how many of them were running plays? Any volunteers that want to go back and review the tape? I'd love to find that out. Bryson Hopkins, he's expected to step into that Gerald Everett role. Looks like he's a good fit for that. Very fluid. Uh, Last year in the NFL draft, he was compared to Jared Cook, a Jared Cook-style receiver. Can hit the seams, good speed. Had some drops in college. Basically redshirted last year. So obviously we need him to step up, and I think he will. I've heard talk of training for Zach Ertz. Doesn't make any sense to me. 30-year-old guy on the tail end of his career. Didn't make any sense to me, and I don't know where that rumor came from. Haven't heard it recently, though. So maybe that's played itself out. They also have Kendall Blanton. Spent most of the year on the practice squad, 6'6", 266. So he's a guy they have waiting in the wings. They could spend a later round draft pick on a tight end. Some of the guys out there that stand out as possibilities are Brevin Jordan out of Miami, good route runner, needs some work as a blocker, Tommy Tremble out of Notre Dame. He's a receiver first, good speed. We call him a move tight end. Notre Dame used him a lot in the screen game to set up blocks, so That's something that the Rams use their tight ends for. He's a very good athlete. So Tommy Trimble's one to keep your eye on, a late draft pick or possibly undrafted free agent. Hunter Long out of Boston College. He's a guy that has a very balanced skill set. Good blocker, good route runner, good speed, good seam runner. Another two guys to consider, Trey McKinney of Georgia and Quentin Morris of Bowling Green. Again, late, very late draft picks or potentially undrafted free agents. Hopefully some of these better undrafted tight ends will look at the Rams and say to themselves, hey, this is a team I could latch on with, earn a spot on an NFL roster. There's opportunity here for those guys. That's our wrap up on the quarterbacks and tight ends with the Rams moving forward. All set left for us to cover is special teams and the defensive backs. We'll hit one of those next week. Time for another sports pet peeve. And I'm going to apologize up front here. For the second week in a row, we're going to leave the world of football. And for good reason. It was the first week of Major League Baseball. And on opening day, we had a very strange incident. Quite funny, actually. 
the Dodgers at the Rockies, top of the first inning, Justin Turner's on first base. Cody Bellinger rips a ball to the left field wall. The outfielder leaps up, appears to catch it. Looks like he caught it. Yes, he caught it, right? No, he did not. The ball squirts out of his glove over the fence for a home run, right? Well, one problem, Justin Turner, thinking it had been caught, because within a reasonable conclusion, if you watch the play, it was a very odd-looking play. It looked like he had made the catch and the ball, but the ball just squirted out over the fence. So Turner heads back to first to tag up, passes Cody Ballinger between first and second. They're going in opposite directions. So by rule, of course, Bellinger is out, and Justin Turner scores on the home run. Very weird play, and the problem I have with it is uh, it's quite a funny play. I'm sure the Rockies enjoyed it a lot more than the Dodgers. Do we really need to call these guys out? The ball's over the fence. Who cares what happens on the base pass once the ball's over the fence? I don't care if Justin Turner jumps on Cody Bellinger's shoulders and rides around the base paths like that. As long as they both touch home plate, who really cares? That should have been two runs in the bank for the Dodgers. Crazy. The other one I'm going to touch on real quick. This is in the uh, Wheel of Fortune (laughs) that happened the other day. They have this crossword puzzle game that they brought out about five years ago. Two words going across, two words going down, interlocking. You get the picture. You solve the puzzle. You read off four words, but you can't say and. In this case, the clue was catch of the day, and the answer was, if read properly, sole, flounder, cod, catfish. But like any human being would tend to do, the solver said sole, flounder, cod, and catfish. So, of course... He lost. His competitor followed up with the right answer, omitting the word and. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. It's not like there was any doubt that he knew the answers to the puzzle. Can we get on with it? Wheel of Fortune, fix your stupid rules. That's it for two pet peeves of the week. One sports, one game shows. Hope you enjoy it. promised our first mock draft we'll be doing this every episode between now and the actual nfl draft let me lay out some parameters so you understand how we went about this we used the draft network's slick mock draft interface to execute these mock drafts my goal was to match value with need as much as possible with an eye on guys that a the rams have met with and b i think are a good fit for the Rams, guys that I liked for our team. I made several runs through it, practice runs, trying to get a sense of who's going to be available when. And then I pushed that go button, and this is what I came up with. I was originally hoping to get a top-line center or cornerback or possibly even a wide receiver with that first pick the Rams have, which is in the second round, number 57 overall. But Baron Browning, the linebacker out of Ohio State, was there, so I took him. And and actually, Zavin Collins was still there, 
But I ignored that because I just don't think that's realistic. He's not going to be there at 57. But I jumped all over Baron Browning. Probably going to be a will linebacker at the next level. He fills a need. Great value there. Fortunately, when the Rams made their first of two selections in the third round, a top-notch center was still there. Another Buckeye, Josh Myers. So the Rams fill another need, center, and get good value. Josh Myers out of Ohio State. I was very happy with that. Maybe not the center I had in mind, but nonetheless, a guy that should succeed at the next level. Similar thing happened in the third round. I know the Rams need a cornerback or two, as well as a wide receiver still. But I took Trill Williams, the cornerback out of Syracuse. Again, matched up pretty good value-wise, according to the draft network, and fills a definite need with the loss of Troy Hill to free agency. In the fourth round, a wide receiver that I had identified as a good fit for the Rams when we did our wide receiver evaluation a few weeks ago was still there, Daz Newsom out of North Carolina. So he was that next selection. So what else did the Rams need? It would be great to get an offensive tackle to develop I think it would still be good to add an edge rusher, maybe even another cornerback. Who was there? Patrick Johnson, edge out of Tulane. Very productive guy. You look at his productivity over his college career. Really impressive. Guy's got a good chance of making this team. In the seventh round, he's actually the only guy in this list that I know the Rams met with. I was a little disappointed in myself at that, at being able to select guys I know the Rams have met with. Thomas Graham, the cornerback out of Oregon, was still there. Graham's got great value there. Couldn't pass on him. So six picks, six guys. In all likelihood, I expect the Rams to wheel and deal and end up with more picks than that. But for now, that's what I got. We'll run through this again next week with probably entirely different results. That's going to do it for this episode. Remember, you can reach out to us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. Visit our website at ramsup.com. And please subscribe and give us that five-star rating. We really appreciate it. And remember, keep the horns up, stay safe, and have fun out there.